0: On today's podcast.
1: When I first became a speaker, I was so incredibly ego driven. I was doing everything to seek approval, acceptance, be liked and approved of. It was this massive insecurity inside of me for approval. Then I realised that if you go to serve that audience, especially young people and business leaders, if you give them everything you've got with an intent for them to have an impact rather than you seek approval, they trust and respect you and then they use it. They use the stuff you've got. And I discovered that impact, is far more of a drug than applause
0: why is it that so many young people are struggling to make sense and find their place in the world today and how do they escape from the social media inspired need for constant approval and acceptance and shift their focus to understanding how they can serve others and have an impact i'm jane gunn the barefoot mediator And this is a show where we have some of those deep conversations about issues and choices that are impacting society and our lives right now. In today's episode, I am speaking with David Heiner, a speaker who truly is motivational. We discuss why young people today are not sloth and how they can both understand and operate in this complex world that is unfolding today. Welcome, David.
1: Hi, Jane. How are you today?
0: I am very good. And all the better for seeing your smiley face.
1: (laughs) Good job it's not video.
0: (laughs) Oh, David, I've been longing to have you on the podcast. More so now because I just think there are some really, really important things that I think we could talk about that reflect from your work with young people. So we'll dive into that in a minute. but, But start off by telling us about you and your... Yeah, where you come from and your passion for this work with young people.
1: Okay, Uh, if you want the honest answer to that, it started as me being quite immature and a bit of a coward as a young adult. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm still immature, just no longer a coward. (laughs) Um, I left school with very average grades at best, and not because I wasn't good enough. It was because I was too afraid to have a go. Mm -hmm. I I was in a peer group of people and in a school where you didn't stand out. So it was easier to not try than to achieve. Yeah, uh, I became a chef to prove a careers officer wrong because he said I wouldn't get into college. Thankfully, it turned out to be one of the best things I ever did. I, I worked as an award-winning chef in the, a little country house in the Highlands of Scotland for a couple of years, came back, started a little catering business, and then at the age of 30, woke up and realised that I'd actually not achieved anything in my life I really wanted to. And I felt... That, a very big sense of unease, almost shame, because I'd got big goals and not done any of them. And so because I was too afraid to go back to education, I started what is a a bizarre hobby. And it started as a hobby, which is interviewing really effective and successful men and women. I call them top achievers. And over the last 26 years now, I've interviewed, it my privilege to interview, 258 men and women from all over the world, all different walks of life who have achieved incredible things and have tried to understand how they think and behave and how they set goals to achieve what they do and many years later i'm now 23 years into a professional speaking business after selling my catering and event business presented to over 1.2 million people all over the world
0: wow david that's amazing just think how many lives you've touched that's that's
1: yeah (laughs) i i I have the privilege of almost on a weekly basis receiving messages from people who say, you won't remember me, but 10 years ago I did, and you won't believe what I'm doing now. And I, I'm, I'm genuinely, I think, the most privileged person in the world in terms of my work.
0: Well, that's, yeah, that's a wonderful thing to be able to say, isn't it? And I guess what you would like for many of the young people you work with is for them to feel like you feel now. You know, what's the journey you've been on? Can they go on that kind of Yeah.
1: I'd like them to wake up today rather than when they're 30. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I, I I see from my position, so if I'm a mother and a grandmother, my little ones are five and two two of two and a half. So they're not struggling yet. But I do look at the landscape that we've got at the moment and see a lot of young people of all ages struggling, David. And yep. Yeah, I don't know what your take on that would be. I see uh, young people who don't want to go to school, not mm-hmm. for reasons that they're not academically able. They just don't feel that that's a good fit for them, that they've got any motivation to go. There are other things, young people struggling to find work.
1: It's We're going through a period that, in my in my opinion, mm-hmm. is the biggest social change since the Industrial Revolution. Yes. And this is globally, not just UK. Yeah. And it's the fastest pace change as well. Yeah. It's a huge change. It's really fast paced. And our generation are struggling to keep up with it. Mm-hmm. Young people are desperately trying to, but they're looking to our generation for reassurance as to how to think and behave and cope with it. And we're there going, oh, we don't know either. <laughs> I mean, you know, especially yeah. especially during a really challenging incident such as lockdown a few years back yeah. you know they looked to us to how to think and behave and we were just as scared as they were yeah. so they've withdrawn into themselves and have stopped trusting adults opinions yeah. and so they look at their peers for reassurance mm-hmm. and so we've created this beast of a generation who are perhaps more intelligent and gifted than any generation since the industrial revolution they've got the resource the technology at their fingertips they are smart as compared to my generation but they're so full of a desperate need for approval and acceptance and likes instead of doing things that earn them trust and respect and they're afraid to do things in case they don't fit in with their peer group
0: yes that all makes sense, David. It's it's sort of the TikTok generation, isn't it? It's the wanting yeah. to be liked. It's the wanting to create those, uh, you know, wanting to be an influencer, wanting to follow other influencers. But who are they and what are they influencing us to do?
1: Yeah, absolutely right. You know, I, I So be, be careful who you try to impress is one of the lines I say to them. Yeah. yeah. Be careful who you're trying to impress.
0: And be careful who impresses you, I suppose. Too. Very much. Yeah. Yeah yeah and that's one of the questions that you know I and I'll ask you later I suppose but you know who, who who leads us how do we find leaders how do we find the people who should be leading us it's an interesting thought isn't it so y- y- when you work with young people David you're looking at helping them to find goals reach goals or uh, where do you start with this challenging situation <laughs> so
1: 30% of my work is with business leaders, business teams, 70% is in the education sector, working with students, staff and parents. And we start by showing them how to set and achieve goals.
0: Right.
1: The way that top achievers do, which is very different to how it's taught in business schools, how it's taught on the MBA, on the ILM. You know, everyone's taught to set SMART goals. And most people wrongly assume that SMART was uh, from Peter Drucker, because he mentioned it in his book in the early 80s. In fact, the original creator of the acronym SMART was a project manager called George T. Duran, and he's misquoted. He never once, not once, Jane, did he say your goal should be SMART. He was a project manager who worked on multibillion-dollar water utility projects, and he says the steps to your goal should be SMART.
0: Ah. Oh. Okay.
1: The goals are massive. Yeah. And in my research, when I ask top achievers, every single one of the 258 top achievers, how do you set goals? Not one of them have ever said realistic, achievable or smart in their answer. Not one of them. So why, why are we teaching it our kids? You know, and, and if you ask a top achiever, why massive goals? They say, well, realistic goals, that's setting us up for mediocrity at best.
0: Yeah, so your focus, David, is then on getting people to see something way bigger than they could have even imagined
1: it's it starts with the massive goal but then because even the business people that i present to even that they'll, they'll typically go oh, well, oh that's fluffy woolly nonsense and they they, they make car noises and, and I, so what we do then is we do an exercise that proves to people that if they think and behave differently they'll get a better result and we use we, we actually just use a memory technique that so we'll, we'll we'll get them we measure their competence at recall we'll then teach them the technique and measure it again and typically it's a massive upturn and we say you just did that in 10 minutes with one of the biggest assumptions we make about ourselves how good or bad is our memory so could you imagine what you do could do in five to ten minutes a day every day for one year and all all of a sudden people in the audience even if they are really suspicious they can't argue with i just did that and so it, it, it's like I try to take bullets out of their gun as quickly as possible by by them rather than me evidence to them how good they are. They evidence to themselves how good they are.
0: So one of the things I think we do is self sabotage, don't we?
1: Oh gosh, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Wow. What's that? Yeah.
0: Going why, why do we do that? We shoot, you they know, You know, you know, we shoot ourselves. We shoot ourselves, don't
1: we? We shoot ourselves down. I I often joke that we've got two voices in our head, and if we've got more than two, we should see a doctor. But <laughs> we, 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 you know, we've got the good cop, bad cop, and if you're old enough like me, Starsky and Hutch, you know, you and we, we tend to sadly in our culture especially, we tend to just believe the negative voice, the one that says you probably can't do that because it's trying to protect us. So it's easier to not try or not have a go giving it your best shot than it is to dare risk giving it everything and crashing and burning. But statistically, over the last 26 years of interviewing top achievers and asking them the question, and 23 years of working with over a million people who have set goals, statistically now, I can evidence that it's if you set five really big goals, in your life personal and business academic career five big goals typically once you will crash and burn i mean it just won't even get off the ground or it'll fail miserably once or twice you'll do okay it won't be pulling up trees but you'll do all right and twice you will knock it out of the ballpark now, I woke up at 30 not having achieved anything, and I thought, I'll take those odds. I'll be prepared to fail once, be average twice, and knock it out the park twice. That is far better than I've got at the moment. And that's when I started to achieve things, because I actually started to find out what's true rather than believe the assumptions. And the truth is that you will fail occasionally, you'll be average occasionally, and you'll smash it out the park. But you've got to give it everything.
0: What I'm interested to ask you, David, is that wake up moment. What was it at 30 that you looked at, felt in yourself that said, this is not good enough. I can't carry on like this.
1: I I wish I had a deeper, more philosophical answer for you, Jane. But can I ask and please feel free to say no if it's not right. But when you were a child, did you ever used to write a, a Christmas list? Yes. From the catalogs that your mum had. All the way. <laughs> and I used to write a Christmas list. I also, when I was younger, wrote a list of things I wanted to achieve in my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there was about a hundred things on the list. Places I wanted to go, things I wanted to do, things I wanted to achieve. i literally on or around my 30th birthday, I found that list. Oh. And I, 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 even now, it, it kind of fills me with, oh, because it was just that sinking feeling of what have you done with 30 years of your life? And I realized that all I'd done was seek mediocrity and achieve it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I set very average goals. So guess what the outcome is? You know, all I, all, all I ever did was not try my best and it wasn't working as a plan. <laughs> you know, it's as, as one of the top achievers I interviewed um, said, he said, you know, how's, how's it working as a plan, making a deliberate decision to not take part in your own life? Yes. Gosh. <laughs> <You> know. <laughs> Um, and by the way, if anyone thinks these quotes are fluffy semantics, the biggest consumers of personal development and motivational quotes are successful people. The difference is that normal people just put it on a poster on their office wall and go, "Oh, that's nice." They live by these quotes. They live by them, and that's the difference. That's the difference. So-
0: What motivates you to get out of bed every day then, David? Because you need to then apply this stuff day after day after day after day, don't you? So what is it that now makes the difference that you get up and go, yes, (laughs) I'm on it.
1: (laughs) Well, again, in the spirit of honesty, he doesn't start well. When, When I first became a speaker, I was so incredibly ego driven. I was doing everything to seek approval, acceptance, be liked and approved of. Mm -hmm. It was this massive insecurity inside of me for approval. Mm -hmm. Then I realised that if you go to serve that audience, especially young people and business leaders, if you give them everything you've got with an intent for them to have an impact rather than you seek approval, Mm -hmm. they trust and respect you. And then they use it. They use the stuff you've got. And I discovered that impact is far more of a drug than applause. Yes. Wow. Um, I will. Uh, motivational speakers sometimes quite rightly get a bad rap. You know, there's t- often talk about hot bath motivation. You know, it's cold the next day. You know, I I go really. I yeah. go toe to toe with anyone. I could list achievements of the people I've worked with, young people right up to big, big businesses, the things they have done and achieved. That's what gets me out of bed its yeah. impact and having fun that motivates me more than approval
0: good i'm glad you put fun in there david
1: <laughs> oh if it, if it ain't fun i'll turn the gig down
0: yeah
1: i'm um, still a big kid and i have to have fun because that that's how i operate
0: yeah me too me too uh, and i think it's so it's so so important in the times we're in which can be very depressing <laughs> But back to this sort of approval, I mean, that's what I see certainly with the the social media, the gen the TikTok generation is this driving desire for approval and acceptance. Yeah. And so are you are you looking to switch their mindset in the same way that yours was then to to serve and to impact others? Is that something that you're getting the younger people to think of also?
1: We we certainly trying and we we work most years with um, Rotary International. They actually one of the things I'm most proud of is they made me an honorary Rotarian. Oh and <laughs> um, because we 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 help them just a little bit at one of their big events they do for young people each year, and it is a truly life changing week for these young people. They're taken away to an activity center. They do incredible activities that stretch them physically, emotionally, and mentally. They have peer mentoring and support from the Rotarians and the the adventure team we go in and do them the goal setting and memory and motivation and emotional resilience stuff and the difference in these young adults is remarkable but but what the Rotarians do on this Ryla challenge is they encourage young people to go out there and make a difference in the world
0: yeah
1: and and when we do, and I'm I'm telling you to suck eggs here, I'm sure, Jane, but for anyone who's not aware, when you do something for other people, you release a chemical far more powerful than adrenaline. You release oxytocin. When you're doing something out of genuine service and empathy for another human being, you release a massive chemical that lasts longer and is more powerful than adrenaline. I don't know. It's it's that feeling when you've you've sought the perfect Christmas gift for your loved one and you're just as excited as they are opening it because it's it's about them and their smile on their face.
0: Yeah, it's interesting oxytocin. I, I, I've got a c- colleague I've uh, called Ken Cloak I've interviewed before and he, he wrote a whole paper on this, bringing oxytocin into the room because in the work that I yeah. do in mediation, we've got to try and do that. How do you bring oxytocin into a space that you're working in and when you're competitive and when you're trying to win you've not got oxytocin there you've probably got more sort of adrenaline and cortisol and all of these yep. other absolutely
1: problems. absolutely uh,
0: so when you understand that you know it, it's uh, that it's operating at this very physical visceral level but you actually understand how you can switch You know, you can make that switch in your brain by something that you do and something that you say and even how you arrange the the space that you're in. You know, how do you I mean, I don't know whether that's something you focus on, David. How do you set up a space so that people feel more included?
1: We 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 try to be as inclusive as is possible, Mm -hmm. but especially with young people it's very difficult for us to be as empathic as they need us to be because they have created this massive social change for themselves in terms of diversity and gender issues. And so that our generation, we're coming to terms with it slowly, but it's, it's a struggle for us to comprehend because it's happened so quickly. You know, the time, the time of development and acceptance has gone from like 20 years for something to happen big to like what you need to understand this now we're here. We're we're having it right now, and and so the young people need to have the pressure taken on off them to be run by IQ and international, you know, in, intelligence and intellect and logic, because whether we like it or not, we are an emotionally driven human entity. We are driven by feelings and emotions, and so if that's true, when our young people are emotionally struggling and by the way, business leaders with demand avoidance and imposter syndrome and all the other things that go on with senior top flight leaders in business, if people are feeling these horrible, horrible things, it's no good talking to them about business plans, strategy, here's a process you can use. First thing we need to do is get them to accept that they can manage their feelings and emotions more effectively. So that breeds tolerance, then we go into a positive side of then okay so you're you're controlling this you're managing it you're tolerating it in other people now how about let's look at your own capability what 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 have you not been doing that you could be doing so we take try to take people on a journey
0: so what what i think you're talking about what i see is how do you deal with complexity what the world has become more complex our thoughts and feelings have become more complex but we don't necessarily we may we may within have the tools, but we need to acknowledge those tools and skills, and then we need to have people who lead us to show us how we do deal with complexity.
1: I've not heard it said like that, but you're absolutely Bob on there. Yeah, <laughs> you're Bob on. Yeah, yeah. absolutely right.
0: So, so, who are the leaders then, David? So w- we see young people looking to what we would call social media influences, or you know. Yeah. Or people who have got high profile uh you know as pop stars or you know t v um celebrities, you know the whole idea of becoming a celebrity seems to be yeah uh, <laughs> you know how, how do we and those people themselves are not necessarily the best equipped to deal with complexity. <laughs> how do we guide our young people to find the leader within? And also find the leaders without the ones who that they can follow, who are going to show them a different way.
1: Well, the first thing I think is um, someone I know called Jane Gunn should run a course for young people on emotional intelligence and resilience. Oh. Um, <laughs> but but actually more pragmatically, um, you're right, because the pace of change has been so quick in the last three to five years, there is a void. And that void has been filled with very loud, opinionated people who have polarised opinions in every walk of life, from politics to the economy, to emotional well-being, to mental health, to religion and culture and faith and and, and beliefs emotionally. And, entirely. and And the problem is that we've got polarised opinions who shout rather than debate. Yes. And so... So now we've got even during the Brexit campaign, I remember and I'm not a political beast and I'm not the cleverest of people in the world. But I remember sitting watching the news week in, week out, going, how can I make an informed decision when people are just shouting at each other? (laughs) And, And so to find these leaders, we're looking for people who are perhaps calmer, more stable more rational and in years gone by I, I never used to vote with a political party. I always voted on who genuinely I would trust leading this country and the economy. Whereas now I go, name me
0: one. Yes, absolutely.
1: Name me one. And so is it any wonder that the young people won't trust politicians, therefore they're not going to vote.
0: The answer when faced with a ballot sheet is none of the above, isn't it David?
1: <laughs> and and the good people so, say the the likes of you and i who would probably do a half decent job of it if we were put in charge we won't go there because we know we'll just get shot down yeah
0: yeah
1: and and so where are the leaders that that is a great question mm-hmm. i think i think they're out there and we need to remove the desire for the people who are giving us their opinions to be celebrities to be on television, we need to go and find people ourselves rather than them appear in front of us. Go out and seek good people because there's lots of them out there. There's lots of them, but they're probably not in the places where you're going, so you've got to go somewhere different, think and behave differently you know if 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 there aren't if anybody here goes to church and you haven't got good people there, go to a different church <laughs> you know if you're if you're going to the football and you're getting caught up in trouble. Don't go to the football, go and watch rugby instead. Watch gentlemen fight each other instead <laughs> um you know if If you're going to a health club where it's it's people are more concerned about how they're looking and preening themselves in a mirror while they're working out, join a different gym it We need to stop hanging around with people who we do not aspire to be like
0: that's so true isn't it david and that comes back to values and recognizing then what are my core values and how do they align with the core values of those people i hang out with
1: you i'm loving this so yes <laughs> You're right. It's, it's well, and this isn't David speaking. This is Professor Adrian Furnham, right? Europe's leading business psychologist by any measurement. I often joke that we get clever through osmosis standing in the same room as him. He suggests that we're driven by our values and our insecurities. But most people never look at their insecurities because they see them as a weakness. He says, but unless you deal with your insecurities, it's who you are. It's 50% of who you are. We are our values and our insecurities. So when making these decisions, we need to, A, do things that are driven by our values, but also do things where our insecurities aren't going to crop up. Yes. And if we do that, life becomes easier.
0: So one of the things that's been puzzling me, David, recently, is that I feel we are... I feel we've reached a tipping point of trauma. I don't know whether you'd agree about that. And that what we what each of us brings to the party if you like is all our own trauma all our own baggage but not only that our historic trauma our ancestral trauma and when Uh you all of that but don't know what it is and you don't acknowledge it and you cut you know that's what you're talking about but you just focus on the values and you don't say but I bring all this baggage with me here how do you so I think as you know as a global society we've got this huge amount of trauma to sort of understand not to not to wallow in not to not to be a victim of and say oh poor me you know I carry all this stuff but to say I now understand what makes me who I am and I know how to step away from it
1: and, and that is that is a critical step and then it's the hardest one until you do it and then you realize how easy it is yeah so because it everybody's got stuff everybody
0: Always. you've
1: you've you've gone through stuff we've gone through stuff here in our house and everybody goes through stuff and but the thing is is that if all we ever do is put it in the rucksack and carry it around with us it's gonna slow us down and weigh us down what we need to learn is accept that it is what it is and then put it down and move on and that in some cases is very easy and in other cases very hard when, when I'm coaching business leaders to give a presentation, for example, I often call it the bungee, the bungee run principle. Have you ever been to a fun fair, Jack? Have you ever done a bungee run? I haven't,
0: but I can imagine what it is because you get so far and then you get
1: pulled back. That's, that's exactly what it is, right? So you have to run down this inflatable alleyway tied yeah. to a piece of bungee cord and yeah. put a Velcro stick as far down the alley as you can before you get hurled backwards. Now, I see people learning, for example, how to give a presentation – like that. They they want to step up and be bigger than they normally are to impress a big room full of people. But as soon as they try, their insecurities kick in and they shrink back down. And it's it's so what we need to do is tell them just reach by and cut that cord. that cord. Cut that cord and jump jump as high as you can. There was a there was an inspiring woman called Julie Crane. Um she became Welsh high jump champion before she became injured and what what she was taught by her sports psychologist was look at the two poles look at the bar and f- what are you focusing on she said the bar he went well that's what you're going to hit Said in your head take the bar away and have as much fun as you can jumping between the two poles see how, far, see how high you can jump just jump as high as you can don't focus on the thing that's stopping us
0: that's brilliant advice so david in terms of people who inspired you who would you say has inspired you on your journey you know who would you put, and i and i don't expect them to be sort of people whose names i know but there must be some people who've then inspired you to step up keep going do the work you do
1: there there are too many to list here if i was to <laughs> if i was to pick just one there is a lady in uttoxeter staffordshire who Um, And I hope you don't mind me getting very real here. As a child, she wasn't wanted. Her mother and father used to fight over, if they got divorced, who wouldn't have her. She was emotionally, physically and sexually abused by her parents. Her father committed suicide, leaving a note blaming her. Then her mother committed suicide, leaving a note blaming her. She had numerous health, mental health issues. And she ended up with uh, multiple sclerosis and she could, she could barely walk. And she, in her words, not mine, Jane, she was the epitome of a pity party, poor me. Mm. And there are some inspiring people. I don't know if you know Tony Burgess and Julie French. They, they ran an event. um, I was working on it with them. And between all of us, we helped this woman. Her name was Lynn Grocott. And by the end of a week, Lynn was, not only walking without caliper sticks, but she decided to commit and do a charity swim to build a mother and baby unit in Cambodia. So she did this charity swim. She then went on and got coaching, training, learning and development. She coach, She skilled up as a therapeutic coach, helping young people with trauma fears and phobias. And she is now unstoppable. She runs half marathons all over the country um, she cycles all over the country doing endurance events and she she lives her life by her sadly deceased husband's words which is life ain't a dress rehearsal
0: yeah that's so true isn't it david and you know i've heard of lynn Brocott, so she must have you know she must have achieved so much that she's come to my attention as well <laughs> <laughs> incredible woman yeah amazing so i'm sure people can um can find her and learn more about her as well
1: and honestly as well my son um i mean i've got a teenage son with very very severe classic autism and adhd and special learning needs and he never ever ceases to impress me with his ability to just deal with what's true yeah <laughs> so he's he's not concerned in the slightest by other people's opinions of him. He's he's absolutely free and liberated of the need for approval from other people. So he does exactly what he wants. Um, well, I mean, if you can imagine, if you imagine going to Waitrose or Tesco's this weekend, Jane, and you're walking up and down the meat aisle, and you see a 17 year old boy with some big green headphones on, singing on the top of his voice, most people would go whoa, I think I'll go down another aisle. But he's in his absolute element. (laughs) And and you know what? I just stand there in awe at him. I I think he's wonderful.
0: I think I've tried singing in the supermarket before it didn't go down well. (laughs) 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 And I've lived to tell the tale, but no, you're right. We are so, we so try to fit into a box that society puts us in. Uh, and daren't step out of it but there's a, a, a lot more scope for freedom i think
1: and and it's true in, it's as true in business as it is in our personal lives as it is for young people that uh, yeah. you know, business leaders are saying this is how i must think this is how i must i must behave and the danger is is that they reach a certain point and then they look at it and go oh i'm responsible for all this and they start playing small the amount I do a lot of chief exec groups like yourself, Jane, and it's amazing how many of them say, "Actually, we're all right. We, you know, we've got a cash surplus. We're doing really well, but we're not spending any money out of fear." Mm. And I go, "What got you to where you are? Oh, investing, growth, expansion. Okay, so now you're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's all crazy world we Crazy I world. Crazy.
0: Marshall Goldsmith, you've probably come across and wrote a book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There.'"
1: Oh, I've heard, I've heard of it. Yes. It's a
0: great quote. It. It's a great, great quote. Friend. So, David, where where do people find you and your wonderful work?
1: Well, if they get my name right, H-Y-N-E-R, Heiner, David Heiner, if you put me in Google, I'm over it like a rash. Uh, I'm oh, very easy to find on virtually yeah. every platform, um, thousands of videos on YouTube if anyone wants to really bore themselves. Uh, so, yeah, very easy to find.
0: Excellent. Uh, and you've got a website, David?
1: DavidHeiner.com
0: davidheiner.com and what would your one final gem of advice be for people who are listening to this i
1: wish this was my quote because i love it but being nice doesn't mean being weak it's okay to be strong but be nice
0: yeah, be nice be kind i do agree um it's been wonderful david thank you so much i am inspired totally inspired by what i've learnt from you today thank you
1: And thank you for asking me some different questions to those I normally get asked. Thank you, Jay. It's been really interesting.
0: Great. Thank you, David. Cheers. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please do subscribe to the Barefoot Survival podcast series. And if you would like to access my free video series for managing in times of change, challenge and crisis, please go to janegunn.co.uk forward slash video. The link is in the show notes.